This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Could you feel that? What it meant for them, it still means for us. What did it mean for them? If you were a fan of television in the late 1980s, then tell me who this is. <laughs> oh, you know, MacGyver. So Aaron Stern in his blog recently wrote this. When I was a kid, I loved MacGyver. I grew up in a family that didn't watch much TV, but without fail, every Monday night we gathered together to witness the man who could save the world using only duct tape, a Swiss army knife, and a toothpick. He was amazing. After several years of following this leather jacket wearing, mullet sporting, jack of all trades, my mom found herself at a coffee shop one afternoon with some friends. She looked across the room and saw, yep, you guessed it. MacGyver. There was no mistaking the man who had entranced the Stern family. So mustering her courage, my mom interrupted his conversation and asked for an autograph. After he graciously obliged, my mom motioned to the man sitting next to him and she said, so who is, who is this friend of yours, some other movie star? Mac said, well, this is my friend Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> my mom laughed, said, yeah, right, <laughs> and headed back to her table. That evening, we received our MacGyver autographs and heard about the joke MacGyver told, and then we found a picture of Springsteen and showed her. Turns out MacGyver doesn't lie. <laughs> My mom has never lived it down. She laughed at Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Do you think that we've ever missed God because we didn't recognize him? We said, oh, yeah, right. So this morning, I, wanna, I want us to visit two stories. They come as a pair, and I want you to put yourself in those stories. The first is this. It is the first century, and, and you live in the Middle East, and it is your task for the day that you go on, going out to plow the field. It is hot, unbearably hot. 
The sweat is pouring into your eyes and they're stinging and, and your mouth is dry and parched and, and, and the dust, the dirt is, is clinging to your skin. And you are just already feel exhausted and you're only halfway through plowing this field. And as you're plowing through, suddenly you grind to a halt because you've hit something, you know exactly what it is because you know that soil, you have hit a boulder, you've hit, a, you've hit some large rock. And now you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to move the rock so that the furrow remains straight. And so you get down on all fours and using your hand as shovels, you begin to dig around to try to bring out the rock. And as you reach down and finally get through all the soil, you touch it and it doesn't have that smooth feeling of a rock that's, that's cooled in the ground, but instead it, it, it feels wooden. And, and then you realize, wait a minute, this is not a rock. This is some kind of, of, of chest, some kind of trunk. And then you know. Because see, in that century, you didn't have a First National Bank to go to to put your valuables. You put your valuables in the ground. And if there were a war or a calamity, you would leave it buried in the ground, leave the area, and when it was all over, you'd come back and you'd dig it up and you would still have your valuables. And so you reach down and you, and you gather the soil around and you leave it still buried in the ground, but you, you pry open the lid and inside is treasure beyond anything that you could have ever imagined. It's real, but it's not yours. But then you remember that there is, there is this rabbinic finder's keeper's law that says this. That if you find treasure and you pull it out of the ground, it belongs to your master, the owner of the property. So what do you do? The story says this, that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. See, you're no dummy. You put the lid back down and you have not brought it out of the ground, so you cover it back up. You go back home and you understand the cost of that field will be everything that you own. You'll have to liquidate all your assets, but you're okay with that because when you arrive to the landowner's estate, you have brought all your money and you know that it's enough, but it is everything that you own, but anxiety, anxiety is not deep down inside of you at that moment. Instead, there's joy because you know that what you have brought pales in comparison to what you're about to gain. Story number two, you are a merchant in pursuit of the finest pearls. It's what you do. You have an impressive collection, and you have this, this ability to see what are the best and, and to negotiate and to trade and to barter, and your estate continues to grow. The collection is getting larger and more beautiful, but you've got to strive. This drive is that you've got to find the very best. And one day while you're in the village, two towns over, and you're, you're rummaging through the stuff that other people have, there you see it. It is unparalleled in its beauty and its excellence. You know that there'll never be a more beautiful pearl than that one. And the owner knows the cost. And so at that moment, 
You do what seems to be the unthinkable. You sell everything you have. All of your pearls. But the story goes, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it because if it takes everything I have, it's worth it because it is that valuable. Now, by the way, the storyteller is Jesus. And if you listen to Jesus tell his stories, you'll understand that very often he is the main character. Another story said that that a man went out to a field to sow some seed, and then later they said, who's the guy and what was he doing? And Jesus said, oh, oh the, the one that's sowing the seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. So in this moment of, of divine self-disclosure, at this moment that so often we may miss God because we don't recognize him, Jesus says, I am the pearl merchant. I am the plow man. This is about me. Because in this moment, God wants us to know it's him because he wants us to know what he's willing to give. And this is what he's willing to give. Everything. And if God is willing to give everything, then tell us, what is the treasure? The treasure is us. This is an autobiographical statement of the creator of the universe who said, I found you and you were worth everything that I had. Paul the apostle describes it this way to the church in Rome. He said, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person we're dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Now that we are set right with God by means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we are at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. If this is for real, then get ready for a role reversal because this story is really also about us. If this is real, then we just found a hidden treasure. And nothing should stand in our way of possessing it. You say, well, what did we find? What was the treasure? What should I give up? Why should I give up everything for this? Again, Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Rome, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. 
So last Sunday, 12 people stood before you and they were baptized. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's just not a ritual. It's, it's not joining a club. It's, it's not some, something we go through so that we're part, part of the Rotary Club and now we're set for this special group. No, no, this is, this is something that, that is dynamic, that reaches beyond our three dimensions. Because when those people stepped into that water, you know what they declared? They declared, ooh, we have found the treasure. And whatever it takes for us to be immersed in that treasure, we're willing to give up. That pivotal moment of Jesus dying and our sins being sucked out of us by the love of God. And then the explosion of his resurrection causing all the spirits of this world that hate us to be driven to their knees in submission to him. Our faith is the connection to that treasure because that's what that treasure is. See, Jesus said, I'm buying in. I bought in. I saw this. I saw you. I wanted you. Whatever it took, I'm giving it because I'm buying in. Jesus said, I'm buying into loving you. And our response should be, well, I'm buying in to be loved by you. I'm immersing myself into this treasure that is so beyond ability to comprehend. Because here's what happens. Here's what happened last Sunday, symbolic of what transpired when we found that treasure and said we believe he loves us that much. What we did was say, okay, we're putting our faith in you. And Jesus said, well, that moment that they put me in the grave, the moment that I died, all of your sins were placed on my life and they were buried never to come back up again. And when I was resurrected, that was you and me together being resurrected to a brand new life. Now, you live in a world that will tell you a lie that says you're stuck with your sin and your guilt and your consequences, and it will tell you that life will not change no matter what happens around you. The culture's got you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That way has died, and now I'm going to give you the ability to come out of where you feel you're dead in life. That's the treasure that he gives to us. Do you ever think about what you're immersed into when you're baptized? What are you immersed into? Yeah, but more than that, what are you immersed into? I baptize you now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may be immersed in water, but you're also immersed in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is amazing to me that at that moment of a declaration of believing what Jesus has done, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit clear their schedules to be there. They show up. That there is such a sacred calling on them at that moment that they come together, this trinity, these three, show up together at that moment to declare how very true it is that they are willing to sacrifice whatever it took to buy you. To give us that new life. So think about the trinity for a moment. Watch how they interact. Jesus comes to be baptized, and as he's being baptized, the Father says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Look at Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and suddenly the Father speaks, and he says, this is my Son. Listen to him. 
Look at Jesus as he says, you know, I don't do anything except what the Father tells me to do. And, and, and listen to Jesus as he says, you know, it's really good for you and for me that as I'm leaving, you get to experience the Holy Spirit. They are always deflecting glory to one another and serving each other. They are themselves a community of mutual submission and love. And then what they say is this, let us make man in our own image so that they are the same type of community, a community of mutual submission and love. The design of creation was to be a human version of Trinitarian community that we would be immersed in God's love and express it with power that creates life. That's how Jesus intends for us to live life. So this week I call my mom. My dad passed away several years ago. And so I always call my mom a couple times a week to make sure she's doing okay and to let her know that I'm her favorite so that when she passes I get everything. So I called her, I said, Mom, how you doing, and how's, how's your Easter week, and, and what are, you, are you guys singing Sunday, and we went through all that, and I said, so what are you doing Easter? And she said, well, I'm going over to your brother Jay's house, it's all great, as long as you've got somebody, that, that's really good. And so then I ended by saying, Mom, happy Easter. And then the weirdest thing happened. I hung up the phone, I was driving in my car, hung up, and I said, and Dad, happy Easter. And it dawned on me that his Easter service today is so much better than mine. This is great, but his is so much better because he's got, he's got the guest of honor right in front of him and we get a simulcast. <laughs> and so I probably, before I continue the story, I should probably tell you that my brother Jay is a very crazy man. You can never tell what Jay's gonna do. He loves life and, and, and he has stayed age 13 all his life. Very talented, but very crazy. So on the week that my dad passed, we were getting ready for the viewing, and it was the day before the viewing, and we are getting everything ready, and they'd taken the suit over for my dad to, to be laid out in. And, and my mom said to Jay, she said, okay, and, and I don't understand this, and maybe someone later will want to tell me why, but it's just a weird thing, so just bear with me. I, my mom said, okay, your father needs some underwear, so Jay, go get him some. I'm thinking, okay. So Jay goes and gets the underwear, and he goes over to the funeral home and gives it to the funeral director. And, and so now it is the day of the funeral, and, and all four siblings are going to express our thoughts about my father. And now it's Jay's turn. And Jay gets up, and he says a, a lot of really good things. And he said, you know, my father was my hero. Oh, yeah, he, he is. He was. He said, so my mom sent me out to get my dad some underwear. Now, he's talking to a couple hundred people at a funeral. <laughs> Big auditorium. And he says, you know, my dad was my hero, and my mom assigned me to go out and get him underwear. And so I just want to let you know, because my dad was my hero. Today, he's laid out in front of you with a beautiful suit, and he's wearing Superman underwear. My dad's going to kill him. <laughs> I believe in second deaths, and he's gone. <laughs> so I'm just going to say to you all that when we all get to heaven and you see a man walking around in Superman underwear, say, hey, Jack, heard the story. Sorry, bud. 
So with all real respect to my father, I just want to say this. You can clothe somebody in a garment of power, but if they're dead, it's not going to make a difference because you've got to be alive for that to work. So we can clothe ourselves with all the religious actions that we think that we should do, but until we know that the life in us is greater than the death against us, then we're just wearing a costume of power. We're either going to buy into this belief that God is for us, that God wants us, and that he empowers us so that we can actually live this resurrection life, or we're just wearing a costume of power that is covering dead men's bones. To buy into this means to to give up everything else to possess the power of his resurrection. Paul wrote that. He said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. It is inviting Jesus into every part of our living room. No dead bones are allowed again. Because when you know Jesus, no dead bones are allowed. No dead bones are allowed in our dreams or in our hopes or in our friendships or in our attitudes or in our habits or in our jobs or in our thinking or in our feeling. Every moment of every space is to be filled with the very power that lifted Jesus from the grave. That's the promise if we buy in. All of it out of the way so that there's new life. So I had a conversation this week with a friend, and I have permission to just share a little bit of this. Her husband's battling a pretty, pretty debilitating disease, and it's just been wave after 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 wave, and you would think by now, as these are strong followers of Jesus, the wave should stop. Waves keep coming. Just won't go away. So she gets to this place that she's tempted to have no fight left. You ever been there? Just no fight left. It just says it's just ringing out all hope. It just seems like it's just, it's just gone. And she's with her grown daughter, and her daughter says, Mom, what, 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 what is that? What's going on with you? And she said, Mom, you need to prophesy. And, and what she means by that is this, that you need to declare who Jesus said he is for you and dad today. You've got to do that for today. You need to tap into resurrection truth today. Living out resurrection power means that I can overcome today. No matter what it costs me, I will worship in faith today. I will read for faith today. I will lean on community for faith today. I bought in and I'm not giving up. In fact, I want you to say that with me. I bought in and I'm not giving up. Say it. I bought in and I'm not giving up. Say it again. I bought in and I'm not giving up. Say it loud one more time. I bought in and I'm not giving up. See, it's inviting Jesus into that room that seems so dead right now. Say, Jesus, that resurrection power that that you've promised because you bought into me, I'm buying into you, and, and I need that now. Because Jesus had the last word. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's saying, it is finished, meaning this, I bought in. Whatever it costs me, I bought in and I'm not giving up on you. And Easter says that you buy into me and you're not giving up on me. That every dead place in us can now collide with resurrection power. Everything. So in the next four weeks, through Jesus' stories, 
we're going to let Jesus explain to us what it means to live out resurrection power, to buy into God's love, and to live out his resurrection life. And so the preaching team of myself and Pastor Don and our friend Andy Kerr are going to show you how Jesus is redefining our life how he's shoveling out the anxieties that have paralyzed us, how we can grow past the stuff that stunts our living, and how we prepare for all the new parts of life that we've been missing because we've just felt so dead and exhausted. So there's a saying that when someone gives a lot of stuff, the saying is they bet the farm. You ever heard that? Hey, they bet the farm. So if we're going to bet the farm on this treasure... I'm telling you, it better be real. So on Friday and Saturday, the disciples thought they lost the farm. They thought their treasure was dead. But it turns out it was a really safe bet. Let me tell you a story. You may not believe me. I barely believe it myself. But I can't dispute what my soul knows. Peter! John! It's all true. Come see this! Everything he said. The tomb! Every impossible detail. It's empty! It's all true. I don't know him. And we stumble along our way. I said I don't know him! But if that day comes, may we remember has been found. What has been defeated? What has been forgiven? 
what was once dead has new life. What was once old has been made new. What was once finite has been made eternal. May we remember and follow the risen way. So we started with the question, what it meant for them, it means for us. What did it mean for them? When they discovered that, that Jesus actually was alive, that he wasn't in the tomb, here's what it meant. It means this, that they had bet the farm and it paid off. The treasure was theirs. This was for real. Because Jesus said, if I rise from the grave, everything else I've told you is true, so everything else is true. So what does it mean for us? No matter what we face right now, no matter how we feel, Jesus always gets the last word. And the word was this. It is finished. I bought into you. I gave everything that you needed. Therefore, when I died, all that messy stuff died with me. And when I rose, you got a new life. Jesus said, I got the last word, therefore it's safe for you. Go ahead, bet the farm. Because the treasure is now ours. Because Jesus always, always, always gets the last word. So would you stand? And one more time on this Easter Sunday morning, would we declare that his last word has given us everything that we need?
voice I call the valentines courage over me and I will remember the words wake the sun to rise breaking through my life
have we ever missed God because we didn't recognize him? Did we say, yeah, right? So this morning in this incredible self-disclosure, God in flesh says, it's me. Right here, right now. I'm the, I'm the pearl merchant and I'm the plowman and, and I see you when I looked at you, I said, it's worth everything that I would have to give. And so then he says to us now, I bought in, will you? Because here's the promise, you buy into me by faith because you see faith is the connecting point. If you by faith say, I put my trust in you, if you do that, he said that everything that has messed up your life can die. And he can bring new life to all the things you thought would never get better. He said, you do that by putting your faith in me and confessing that you need me. Because he said this, if you confess your sins, your faith, I'm faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and cleanse you from all impurity. And so that's what God wants from us. And I, I, can't, I can't let us leave this place of celebration today, which has been a great celebration, without making sure that all of us have had the opportunity to buy faith to connect to that treasure. And so in just a moment, we're going to do this. We are community, a place of mutual submission and love and service. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you just to turn to somebody next to you. You may have not met them until the five-minute break, or you just really haven't said hi to them yet, but I'm going to invite you to turn to them in just a moment and just say to them, would you like to put your faith in Jesus? And really, you're saying you want to buy in to what God has done for you. And if that's you and you really say, yeah, I, I want to walk in this whole resurrection life thing. And it's not a weird or wacky thing. It's just the, it's the power you need to face the day. And if that's you, say, yeah, I do. And here's what's going to happen. As the person asks you and you say yes, then, then I'm going to invite you and the person that talked to you just to come and stand here. We're not going to single you out or, or, or embarrass you. We're just going to make, pray a prayer of faith together to make sure that connection takes place. And so I'm going to invite you now, no matter where you are, right in this room or maybe out in the lobby, I'm going to invite you just to turn. And you may have asked them this question before in some manner, but it's a brand new day. I want to invite you to the person, to say to the person next to you, would you like to put your faith in Jesus today? It's a time for you to, to get a hold of this treasure. And then just come and just join me right here. So okay, right now, go ahead, turn to each other and just say, would you, would you like to put your faith in Jesus today? And then just come and just join me right here. The ham's baking. It'll be fine. You're good. Applesauce will be good. That's it. That's it. That's good. Come on. Just join me down here. That's good. say, you know, I, I wanted to say yes, but I just didn't know what was going to happen, and there's other people there, and I should have said yes. Just turn to the person next to you and say, yeah, I meant yes. You heard no, but I meant yes. Kind of like being married. Just join us right here.
So we're going to start this, this faith connection because this is a journey. It's not just, it's the beginning of a decision that turns into a lifestyle and a life. The first thing we want to you know is we want to assure you that as you put your faith in Jesus for the removal of your sins and for him to direct your life, he does that right now. You say, well, what do I owe Jesus? Nothing, just that you bought in to him. And so we're going to pray a prayer, and these folks out here who have, have prayed the same kind of similar prayer are going to pray with you as an encouragement. I just want you to have it from your heart, but it's, it's, it's from the Scripture, it's truth, and therefore we know it's, it's real. And so would you just repeat after me, but make it from your heart, and you just say, Dear Jesus, I want a new life. So I believe you, that you said that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and to cleanse me from all impurity. So I need for you to forgive me. And I believe you're doing that right now. You also promised that if I put my faith in you, you would give me the ability to be a child of God. So I declare that I'm your child right now. So I give you my life. I wanna follow you. So I thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection. And now I live in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's great. So because this is a journey... And because we like to walk with you through that journey, we have some, uh, a gift for you and, and some guidance for you. And we want to take just two or three minutes of your time. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to go up to uh, where this gentleman is standing right there. That's Anthony. And he's going to get you back into our choir room. And nothing weird or wacky is going to happen back there. We just want to assist you with the people that, that came with you today. They'll wait for you or I'll give you a ride home. You'll be fine. And, and, and they'll await wait you and then, and then we won't ha have you back there very long but we want to just continue to encourage you in the step you're taking right now so we encourage you to just walk up this way right now if you have trouble with steps you can go out the back and they'll help you around to where we are that's great we're excited for you this morning so I invite everyone to stand Remember, Jesus came to give us peace, so when you get stuck in a traffic jam out there, remember, Jesus came to give us peace. And so I think we should end this morning the way we started, one more declaration, and then go celebrate the rest of the day with family and friends. We're so glad you're here. Come back next week as we continue this series. We're going to have a great time together, same time right here at 10 o'clock. So together, let's declare one more time. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. God bless you. Have a great day.